sent forth his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. Psalm 107 verse 20. The message you're about to hear is a straightforward, down-to-earth and insightful teaching by Adelaide Heward Mills. Adelaide serves under her husband, Bishop Dag Heward Mills, as a pastor at the Lighthouse Chapel International. Adelaide is a handmaiden of God and is privileged to have been used by God to pastor and to speak the word of God, both nationally and internationally, to all ages and gender. She has a plethora of messages on many issues, experiences, and situations of life from God's perspective. Get ready to be transformed as you listen to this message by God's anointed handmaiden, Adelaide Heward Mills. Shall we share a word of prayer? Oh, thank you for your finished work on the cross. Thank you that the fullness of the Godhead dwells in you and we are complete in you. Oh, thank you, Jesus, for the price that you paid. This evening, we humble ourselves under your mighty presence, which is evidently here. And Lord, we receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save our souls. May we put aside all superfluity of naughtiness and receive with humility the word that you have for us. Thank you for utterance and thank you for the ability to speak us of the oracles of God. In Jesus' name, amen. Please take your seats. Hallelujah. Well, we are running towards the finishing line and we are trying to maximize all the time we have left. So I am hoping to speak not for too long and then to have a question and answer time all the same. Amen. And um, yes, so just pray that your question will be answered. I don't know. We will do what we can. Amen. Well, some people have taken the verse, she has done what she could, as if you don't really have to do much, you know? It's like my standards are very low and I've done what I can. It's like, take it like that. But what the verse is depicting is, I have gone to the max of my ability to serve God and to give my all. And that is what it means by she has done what she could. Somebody met LPBM and said, oh, I really like the new conference because now I can do what I can. <laughs> There's not much pressure, you know, but... When you look at the story in the Bible upon which this vision is based is not as the person is trying to make it. And oh, how we love to twist the word of God and make it serve our purpose. Amen. And um, 
I just want to thank God for this opportunity, for his grace that has carried us through first fire up to this point. And I want to also thank my husband, the bishop, for releasing me to be here. I am happy with the fact that I just get in before he arrives. I have learned by the grace of God to always schedule my meetings in a way that I get home before my Lord arrives. Amen. And, um, and um, yes, most of us, when we are getting married, the brothers get attracted to us by our spirituality, that's good, and our love for God. But when they marry us, they are not looking for lady pastors. They are looking for wives. Amen. And sometimes we get confused because we feel that they are looking for somebody in the ministry. Yes, it may be a help meet, but that is not the primary reason. Because... The Bible says that. <laughs> the Bible says that. <laughs> Stop influencing the preaching with money. <laughs> the Bible says that for this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother and cleave to his wife, not to his pastor. Amen. And there's, there's a message I'm working on, and I've been working on for years. When I say working on for years, it doesn't mean I'm always working on it, but when I work on it, then I leave it for about two years, then I come back, that's the phlegmatic style. And um, it's about the dilemmas of a pastor's wife. And this is one of the dilemmas. Do you understand? The same person who stands behind the sacred desk to preach and say, yes, work for God. You know, it's true. But when you start to work for God, they, ask, they start to ask you, who is looking after the children? Where is dinner? What are we having? So you have to be able to have grace to balance the two. And that comes as a dilemma and a shock to us as women. But God is opening our eyes. Amen. When I arrive in Ghana, by the grace of God, the next day, I'm speaking at a minister's wife's conference organized by some other church. And um, they said I should speak about standing by God's man. So pray for me because it's a tall, it's a tall order. Amen. Anyway, this evening, we, you know that we have been looking at the passage around um, the verse, she hath done what she could, amen. So why don't you come with me to Mark chapter 14, verse 4. Yesterday, I attempted to speak about um, good works. And I pray that the Lord will continue with us this evening. Amen. 
It's talking about the woman. She came with the alabaster box. I've preached various messages on this. One of them is the extravagant lifestyle of a godly woman. And I will encourage you to get that. And then I've spoken about so many facets of this story. But this evening, I want to speak about the forces within us. The forces within us. And uh, one of the forces within us is good works. So we visit that again, and then we see what else the Lord has for us. Amen. But when you read Mark 14, 4, it says that, and there were some that had indignation within themselves and said, why was this waste of the ointment made? For it might have been sold for more than 300 pence and have been given to the poor. And they murmured against her. And Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath wrought a good work on me. Amen. So yesterday we looked at some of the good works. When the Bible says a good work in the life of a woman, what does it mean? And we saw that we were to adorn ourselves, amen, with the ornament of a meek and a quiet spirit instead of the outward adorning. The Bible says it's of great price in the sight of God and that the holy women adorned themselves with such good works. But this evening, as I speak about the forces within, we see that the Bible says, and there were some that had indignation within themselves. Amen, somebody. So when I say the forces within ourselves, you know, many times things are happening within us, but it may be hidden, it may be intentionally concealed, and it may be camouflaged or given another name. So although we may all be sitting here at a she conference, we may all be in our lovely she clothes, we may all look the same, there are different forces at work within us. And as Jesus came for a dinner or a visit and thought that he was just visiting the people and everybody else who was looking on would have thought so, there were some forces at work in the people around. And one of those forces was that they were filled with indignation. They were filled with indignation within themselves. Amen, somebody. And I realized that there are many things that are within men. Men as in gender neutral, the human being. Human, we as human beings. There are many things. There are many things that are at work within us. And if we can recognize that, then I believe that God can do a good work within us. Amen. Jesus said that it is not the things that come out of a man that defile him, but it's rather the things, it's not the things that, yes, but it's the things that go within do you understand? And then the things that stay within. So in Mark 14, 4, we can see that the people that were around Jesus were filled with indignation. 
Now, to be filled with something is to have something occupy the whole of you or of a thing, to pervade, to engage or occupy completely, to spread, to satiate, or to be at a maximum. Amen, somebody. Now, the Bible also says in the book of Luke, chapter 1, verse 41. New Testament is easy, not so. Hopefully. Luke, chapter 1, verse 41. That when Mary was told by the angel that she would give birth to Jesus... She immediately packed her things. She didn't go and talk to Joseph to say, Joseph, I came to explain to you what the angel has said and the ramifications of it and what it's going to mean for our relationship. I know that you will not believe me, but I, I pray that you will believe me. No. The Bible says as soon as the angel left her, she rose up with haste and went to the hill country of Judea to visit Elizabeth, her cousin. What confidence another woman can have in another woman. To think that the first person she thought of was an older woman who had walked with God and knew the deeper things of God. And it was not like the modern day America. She arrived without protocol, without calling ahead that she was coming. And she knew that Elizabeth would receive her with joy. Amen. And the Bible says, when she entered and she greeted or saluted Elizabeth, that's not what I'm preaching about now. I mean, I'm leading to it, but it's an important point to know the younger woman respected the older woman and had the decency to salute her. But nowadays in the church, there's so much rudeness contempt and misbehavior and I myself have received a lot sometimes you see people when they feel they are ordinary floor members they greet you when they feel that they have received spiritual promotion when they are walking by you they don't even recognize you so there was one young lady hey she used to be somebody who would come by the office. She wanted to be employed to work with me. I have to keep my $30,000 very well. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> she would just walk by. But she wasn't like that before. But as soon as she was given a niche in full-time ministry, she just changed. I said, ah. You know, in our local language, they say, what has been opened to you? What, what has been uncovered? What, what have you seen that has made you this way? I don't get it. So she'll just pass by. With some attitude. I say, ah. Then I'll call her. Excuse me, sister, come. What is your problem? Can you not greet? Did you not see me? Oh, mommy. I was thinking about something. I said, ah. But before this, your elevation, you didn't think about a lot of things. But since you got elevated, you think about a lot of things. 
And then one day, this year, she was going up to the office on my staircase. And she met the resident bishop of the Kodesh, Bishop Saki. And again, she just went, Oh! And Bishop Saki told me that. I called her and said, Young lady, young lady, turn around, turn around, come, come. Didn't you see me? Oh, these days I've been thinking, you will not think about anything. If you are in this house, you have to behave. You will not think about anything. What type of. And then she looked at him as if he's from space. It's like. Then she went away. It came to pass. And she had a lot of trouble at work. Because she had a bad attitude. And then, from place to place, meeting to meeting. And then before I knew, she had been relieved of her post. <laughs> then this sister who doesn't see me and is always thinking about something. to my office, oh, mommy. Mom, I said, do you know me? What a shock. And incidentally, when she came crying, but you see, that's my ministry, the ministry of comfort. So after you have come off your high horse, as far as we live here on earth, so join the earthly ones and we will flow with you. Amen. So she came in. Then another lady pastor from another office was coming to see me. So when she came, then I said to the lady, oh, please excuse me, I need to talk to this lady pastor, this senior lady pastor. So when she went to the lady pastor, I said, hey, mommy, this girl, does she greet you? Has she ever greeted you before? I said, she didn't used to greet me. <laughs> but a senior has met her. And now she's over greeting me. Every day she says to me, what's up? Mommy, please, how is it? How is it? I said, ah. So I replied, I said, I never knew this side of you. I never knew this side of you. Even as I've come to the stage, she has sent me a lot of WhatsApp. I've not been able to respond. Amen. What does it cost to just humble yourself and greet? Look, we have been in this thing for a while. There are a lot of changing seasons. So so when you reach somewhere, let him that thinks he stands, take it lest he falls. Amen. That was a slight digression. It's trying to talk to the younger ones who have an attitude. It seems your only pastors in the church are the male pastors. But when it comes to issues, that you think that we can help, then you, we suddenly have daughters. But before then, we have stepdaughters, our husband's children. Amen, ladies! <laughs> what does it cost to defer to another woman? What does it cost? Just mere ketsy, respect. I want to. Hmm? It has to take you to be jobless and homeless before. Why? When I go to Ghana, I'll tell her to buy this message. Because 
She's in the preaching. But Mary came to Elizabeth's house and saluted her. And the Bible says in verse 41, and it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. When Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Now Mary, deferring and being respectful, it seems it's just a salutation, but it stirs up the Holy Spirit. Because the Bible says that we should be subject unto authority. Not authority that you have set, but authority that God has set, including your own husband. Amen? Amen. And when she did that, Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Some of us would have been filled with jealousy. Amen? Amen? Because as Mary has come, her pregnancy is not showing. But the type of spirit that you have within you leads to a feeling of different things. So one of the forces within us or at work within us is the Holy Spirit. But with the disciples, when they saw this woman with the alabaster box and the people around, they were rather filled with indignation, extreme anger, they were not amused. And you ask, what is the basis of the forces within? Do you know, sometimes we are filled within with things because when people do certain things, they widen the gap between them and us. What do I mean by that? When I was in the University of Ghana and I met my husband, I didn't like him. It wasn't love at first sight. And I met him through a friend. My, my, one, you see, I had many maids of honor, so it's a long story, but one of my maids of honor, her roommate had come from Bishop's school. So she, this maid of honor was one of my best friends, so I would go and visit her. And he is also coming to see this is sheep from Achimota school. So I met him in that person's room. But whenever you greet him, you say, hello, brother Doug. Oh, kebala mashande ne mama. Oh, ne bakode mayande. Then I'll be saying, my, what is this too? Oh. Then I'll just wait for him to finish. Then he'll say, I'm bought by the blood. I'm on my way to heaven. The greater one lives in me and I can't do anything about it. Goodness and mercy, they follow me. All the days of my life, even when I shut the door, they come under the door because they have to follow me. And then... So I'll just be left there filled with indignation. 
you understand? Then I'll say, hmm. Now when he leaves, I'll tell my friend, this your guy, he's too much. <laughs> Just hello. Now goodness and mercy is following him. The lamb, the blood of the lamb. And what type of person is this? Oh, we want normal people, not people who are over and above like this. So I didn't like it. But do you know why? Because I had also come as a Kwefei sister. But the psychedelic also was there. Do you understand? So the unbelievers used to tell me, oh, we love your Christianity. <laughs> Bible says, woe to you when all men speak well of you. <laughs> so, later I would meet him and then I was taking my things from the pigeonholes. I said to the porter, oh, P20. So the porter was reaching out for my things. Then I saw this guy. Hey, Sister Adley, what are you holding? I said, invitations. To where? I said, oh, to jams on campus. Hey! Me, since I came to this school, nobody has invited me to a jam before. How come you? This is first time we just came. Look at the number of invitations that he opened it. Hey! Somebody you hardly know. Why should you meddle in my life so much? And he started to look. Hey, this invitation is powerful. Tall hank of a tall tapper, love lapper, and this is the gapper, Mr. P, inviting you to others. Hey, sister. So, are you born again? <laughs> I'll be very bored. Mm, I'm born again. Yeah. But if you're a born again Christian, should people be able to invite you to what I said? Well, Jesus, he went to jams, okay? <laughs> Matthew invited him to a jam and he attended. So, okay, sister, you, you know, tomorrow evening we'll meet. You come with your pro jam verses and I'll come with my anti jam verses. <laughs> so he came to my friend's room. And then I showed him, Matthew said, yeah, it's true. Matthew had a dinner. It was full of publicans and sinners. And Jesus invited, uh, was invited and he went. And what about sister? When G Jesus arrived there, he had a crusade. You, when you go to the party, will you have a crusade? <laughs> I said, oh, this guy, my friendship with him is finished. What type of tune? But the reason was the gap between he and I was wide and that brings the force within you and then you become angry and the spirit is not a right spirit amen so when this woman came she's doing her worship she's wiping with her hair she's doing with her tears whatever you you won't do and all that is precious to you you have locked up in your house this woman has come then you are filled with indignation because she's lifting the bar for giving. She's lifting the bar for worship. She's lifting the bar for sacrifice. She's lifting the bar and you can't stand it. That's why as ladies, sometimes we see someone say, she thinks she's something. She doesn't think or you think. You think and you have a major problem. She thinks she's special. Oh, don't mind her. She thinks she's beautiful. You know she's beautiful. You know she's beautiful. 
So don't mind her. She feels she's anointed. She is anointed. And you are anointing free. Amen. So you are filled with indignation. When the salutation of Mary went to the ears of Elizabeth, the babe in her womb leapt. Amen. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. Let me ask you, what are you filled with? Amen, ladies. Sometimes when we say forces, then you begin to think about witchcraft, but we are talking about you. Not witchcraft and oh, forces at home, Lady Reverend. That's why I'm not able to do this and I'm not able. That's not what we are talking about. We are talking about the forces within us that we can control. Amen. Let's look at another force that works within us. Acts 9 verse 36. Acts 9 verse 36. Yesterday I talked about good works. Amen. Now there was at Joppa a certain disciple. Ladies were also touched by Jesus. And they also became disciples. Their names may not be all listed, but they are listed in certain places. The disciples was named Tabitha, which by interpretation is called Dorcas. This woman was full of good works. The forces within. This woman was full of good works. Amen. Yesterday we saw that Jesus said to the woman, she hath done a good work unto me. And this woman in Acts 9.36, Tabitha or Dorcas, is filled with good works and alms deeds. Which she did. Sometimes you are filled with something, but you may not manifest it. But it doesn't mean that it's not there. That's why the Bible says that God judges by the heart. Another version says, the recesses of that. Many rivers are flowing within us. The forces within. The disciples were filled with indignation. This woman was full of good works. Good works. And I believe what we will be filled with depends in a large part on you and I. Because we decide. The Bible says in the book of Proverbs chapter 4 that, you know, guard your heart with all diligence for out of it are the issues of life. So the type of issues that can affect you or the things, the forces you are allowed to work within you, beloved, it depends on us. Amen? Now, Lady Reverend, what's your point? Well, she was full of good works. And it came to pass in those days that she was sick. Good people also fall sick. Good people also have afflictions and temptations. Good people also have 
trouble. In fact, the Bible says, many are the afflictions of the righteous, not few, not minimal, not negligent, but many. But the comforting thing is that, but the Lord delivers him out of a few, out of some of them, out of them all. Amen. It came to pass in those days that she was sick and died. Whom, when they had washed, they laid her in an upper chamber. Next verse. And for as much as Leda was nigh to Joppa, and the disciples had heard that Peter was there, they sent unto him two men, desiring him that he would not delay to come to them. Verse 39. Then Peter arose and went with them. When he was come, they brought him into the upper chamber, and all the widows stood by him, weeping, and showing the coats and garments which Dorcas made while she was with them. What can we show whilst you are with us? What can we show whilst you are with us? If we call Peter to come, what will be our evidence that you passed through this earth or that you passed through this place? Amen? Amen. Showing the coats and garments while she was with them. Next verse. But Peter put them all forth and knelt down and prayed. And turning him to the body said, Tabitha, Arise. And she opened her eyes. And when she saw Peter, she sat up. Next verse. And he gave her his hand and lifted her up. And when he had called the saints and widows, presented her alive. Amen. She was full of good works. Now, we always think that certain things will come to us by binding and losing. It is true. The Bible says in Matthew 80 that whatsoever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever you lose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. But there are certain things that it's not about casting out demons. It's not about binding and losing. And that thing is called good works. It can cause you to rise from the dead. It may not look supernatural. But it is powerful in the sight of God. What are you filled with? When you are filled with something, it will manifest on the outside eventually. When you are filled with envy, jealousy, it's just a matter of time. It will come out. Amen? Somebody will just cross you the wrong way. Then you will use it to ooh, manifest fully. Jesus said to the woman, she had done a good work. When you pass through this life, you pass through Lighthouse Chapel International, you pass through Atlanta, you pass through your home, you pass through marriage, is there anything we can show that this is what you left? Or is it only about me, my husband, my issues, my... You know, ladies, it's true there are issues. But the more we concentrate on our issues, 
without intending to, we make idols out of our issues. And God will not want anything else to be on the throne of your life except him. And therefore, when you exchange your God for your problems, you don't get better. You get bitter and worse. <laughs> Amen. But if you decide that in spite of all my issues, I'm going to be filled with good works. Your good works may be what God will look at. You see, she was dead and she was gone. She couldn't have interceded for herself. She couldn't have called upon anything to happen. But because of what she left behind and because of the lives that she touched, those people rose up and said, go and bring Peter from Joppa right now and let him come and do a miracle because she deserves a miracle. I submit that the type of force at work within you leads to a certain fruit, which eventually we eat. Amen? Whether we like it or not. And so we have to be very careful about what type of fruit is in our lives. Amen. Acts chapter 13, verse 10. I said I'll be brief, isn't it? So I'm trying. Acts chapter 13, verse 10. Let's look at verse 9 maybe to make some sense out of it. Paul had come to an important person. And then there was this person standing by the side. You know, sometimes it's like that. You are with somebody and then somebody standing on the side is spoiling everything. Okay? So when you look at verse 9, and when they had gone, are we in verse 9? How come mine says, verse 6, and when they had gone through the island to Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus. Satan always likes to do things that are close to Jesus, but not quite the same. Amen? So God institutes marriage, and Satan says, I'll also institute marriage, but the partners and players are different. Yes, marriage is God's idea. So I'll also do the same marriage, but my own has a different idea, but it's the same marriage. And we all need pastors to pray over us and to marry us. It's a bad Jesus situation. Amen. This person, you are a sorcerer, you see. Just like you have the fruits of the spirit, uh, this, this, this. This one is sorcerer, uh, false prophet, by Jesus, which was the deputy of the country, Sergius Paulus, a prudent man. Eh? He was the deputy of Sergius Paulus, who were called Barnabas, who called for Barnabas and Saul and desired to hear the word of God. But Elimas the sorcerer, so, so, for so is his name by interpretation, withstood them, seeking to turn away the deputy from the faith. Then Saul who also is called Paul, filled with the Holy Ghost, set his eyes on him and said, as somebody is filled with the Holy Ghost, somebody is also filled with something else. Oh, full of all subtlety and all mischief. 
The force within this sorcerer was not good. He was full of all subtlety and all mischief. Amen. Thou child of the devil, thou enemy of all righteousness, will thou not cease to pervert the right ways of the Lord? And now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon thee, and thou shalt be blind, not seeing the sun for a season, and immediately there fell on him a mist and a darkness, and he went about seeking some to lead him by the hand. Whatever you are filled with, you eat the fruit of it. So as this man was filled with subtlety and mischief, Paul just cursed him one time. See, cholerics, they don't waste time. He just cursed him. He said that you are full of the devil. Evil intentions. Evil things. So because of that, you will be blind for a season. And immediately, the blindness happened. He's looking for people. How did it start? It started with a force that was within him. And that force was mischief and subtlety. And some of us, we are mischievous in the church. What you haven't heard, you say you have heard. You are always creating mischief. Hey, uh, are you on good terms with this pastor? Uh, I sense that something would have happened. Because when I was passing, then I saw that, you know, they were talking undertones. And then when I got closer, I saw that they were actually discussing you. Full of mischief. Full. The Bible says, a tailbearer separateth very friends. Very friends. And sometimes tailbearers have separated husband and wife. Yes. Amen. Because when they say, eh, I can see that you have a real problem. This wife of yours. Because when she comes to church, she really sings in the choir and things, but... Mm, I know that you are suffering. I wish that you had met somebody earlier. The way you are spiritual. This one, she's de-anointing you. Full of mischief and subtlety. You are not straightforward. Everything is subtle. Everything you say, we don't know what you mean. Everything you say, it has a deeper meaning. Everything you are doing is not like it looks on the surface. You look kind, as if you are being kind to us, but there's another hidden motive. Why you are being kind? You want to reach a certain place, and you have a way of worming your way, full of subtlety and mischief. When others are filled with the Holy Ghost, you to the force that's at work in you, is at another level. The forces within. Amen. And they were filled with indignation. Amen. Amen. I want to ask you this evening, what type of force is at work in you? Amen. Amen. Acts 13 verse 45. Acts 13 verse 45. Acts 13 verse 45. But when the Jews saw the multitudes, you see, the disciples were preaching. And the Bible says, when the Jews saw the multitudes, they were filled with envy and spake against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting 
and blaspheming. What are you filled with? They were filled with indignation. These ones are filled with envy. And the Bible says they crucified Christ for envy. Envy is when it pains you that is working for somebody. And many times as women, our envy operates on the level of relationships. When somebody's marriage is working, it pains you. When somebody's husband loves her, it pains you. And you want to present yourself as another substitute. So if she wears blue shoes, I will also wear blue. Perhaps, maybe, supposing it may work. (laughs) And they were filled with envy. Envy draws you back. You see, the story of Elizabeth and Mary, if it were two ordinary, non-spirit-controlled women, it would have set the stage for a major battle. The clash of the titans. Because Elizabeth will be comparing herself to Mary and saying that I have worked with the Lord longer. You see, sometimes the pride may even be spiritual. It doesn't make it right. And sometimes we have religious reasons and we think because of that it is right, but it is not right. They were filled with envy. Elizabeth could have said, I've worked with God longer. And the Bible says that when the angel came to Elizabeth, the angel said to Zachariah that the Lord has heard your prayer, which means it is something they had been praying for for years. Then this foolish Mary, excuse me to say, she's sitting in her house, she has not even prayed for any child. Number two, she's not even married. And number three, she doesn't even go to the temple. She has not reached there. These people are of the tribe of Abijah. They are Levites. They have worked with God. The Bible says they walked in all the commandments and ordinances of the Lord blameless. Mary, she doesn't even have a husband. I have been praying, interceding, serving, following. Then you come and you use the same angel. Don't you know seniority? You send the same Gabriel to Elizabeth, Elizabeth's husband. And after that, this same Gabriel goes to talk to small girl Mary. Small girl. And when you come, my husband asked the same questions Mary asked. Zacharias wondered at the scene and said, oh, how can this be? I said, because you have doubted. You will be dumb till the child is born. Mary says, how can these things be? Even her questions are more. Seeing that I know not a man. And the angel says, oh, the power of the Holy Ghost will overshadow you. And the hand of the Most High shall come upon you. Therefore, that thing which is in you shall be called holy. Even if you compare the discourses with the angels, it ain't fair. Even the salutation. If at least they didn't talk to her at all, they went to talk to her husband. As if as for her, she, she, she doesn't even count. But she has also been coming there. And the Bible says both of them are blameless. And you come to Mary and say, Hey, no favored one, the Lord is with you. As for me, God's favor has been lifted. Eh? It's been lifted. I see. 
And then when you come, you don't give me John, uh, Jesus. You say, as for me, I deserve John the Baptist. Eh? I, I deserve John the Baptist. When you are sharing, should you not take into consideration that I have been around the block for a while? You bring me John the Baptist. And also when I ask you, what is his purpose? You say that he will serve Jesus. Hey. Is that how life is? Filled with envy. Is it fair? And then when he goes to Elizabeth, Mary says, Oh, hello, favored one, the Lord, blessed are you amongst women. Knowing very well I'm also a woman. Amongst women. And they say he shall go before the Lord to prepare his way. Uh-huh. He is the what? The janitor. Hmm? He should be sweeping as your son is arriving. What do you mean? It will set a stage for issues. You see, it's not that you wouldn't have a case to be envious. But it is that you must refuse to be filled with envy. It is not that you will not be tempted to be filled with envy. And remember, when things are being filled, it is gradual. So before you come to that place that they say, and they were filled with envy, it is like a tap. The barrel was being filled little by little, little by little, little by Before you know, you have reached the top echelons of envy. Hey. Amen, ladies. Amen. The Bible says envy is as rottenness of the bones. So it's not that when you compare, sometimes you don't feel left behind. And it's not that when you compare, sometimes you don't see why you are being given John the Baptist and Jesus. But we have to trust in the hand of a God who has the bigger picture. And we have to trust in the hand of the God who knows what we can carry. Because as I meditated on it, the Holy Spirit said to me, if I had given Mary Jesus, uh, uh, Elizabeth Jesus, she was old and stricken in years. When they have to run to Egypt to the baby, they have to go for census. She can't. Therefore, she needed to carry John the Baptist. The Bible says, and they, comparing themselves with themselves, are not wise. Envy makes you not even understand the bigger picture. But trusting God that if he gave me John the Baptist, I'm going to do my best with it. I'm going to nurture my John the Baptist so that he will fulfill God's purpose. But we stop and then we look at the one who has Jesus. And we do nothing with the John the Baptist that has been given. And we say, I would rather like to be the mother of Jesus. But when the wise men are coming and they say, flee to Egypt. You cannot. You cannot. God knows what you can carry. He knows why he gave you the man he gave you. Stop envying other people and thinking that the grass is green on the other side. You don't know that it has to be mowed once in a while. That's why the grass looks so well. The mower has been working. Amen, ladies. Amen. The forces within. And they were filled with envy. Just because the multitudes were listening. And then when you are filled with something, the manifestation follows. 
and they speak against those things which were spoken by Paul, contradicting and blaspheming. It's like if we can't get the multitude you have, we will also scatter what you are doing. Envy makes us destructive. And envy makes us destroy things that when they are destroyed, it will not be a blessing to us either. Do you understand? You contradict, you do that, but in the end, it's not that a blessing comes to you, but you are just doing that so that equalization can take place in your mind. Amen. When we had our she has done what she could conference, just finished in Accra. And then we're having a question and answer time. And as I was going through the different questions, and it was a Saturday, I came across one, said that, my pastor's wife, she looks like she, she's not trying to flow with me. But I'm a very important person in the church. And I help her husband a great deal. But she, it's written, but she, she will not do anything to. And then, when you are doing to, then she's whatever, whatever. And then the final statement, I have even thought of leaving the church. So when I read, I said, really? Who told you the pastor's wife does not do anything to? Do you know the shoulder she sacrifices so that you will have a shoulder to lean on? Do you know the pillow she sacrifices so that you will have a pillow of comfort? Don't even go there. You say she doesn't do anything. Her things are behind the scenes. If you look at me, you will say I don't do anything if you look in my church. Because I preach once a year. And I sit there and say, oh, this is bishop's wife. She does nothing. She's always sitting for, I would like to be a bishop. Really? And they were filled with envy. I said, do you know the many lonely nights when her husband is not there? Because he's solving your marital problems and he will come back at 3 a.m. And do you know that when she comes, when he comes back, she has to shelve her problems and minister to him and give him strength again to come out and minister to you again and again and again. And do you know something, young lady? She doesn't have the luxury you have. You say you are thinking of leaving the church. When she goes through it, she has nowhere to go. Hey, by the time I finished, the whole hall was up. Preach it! Say it! I think people have their own issues. She brought herself fully. They were filled with envy. She doesn't do anything. I do everything. I hold the church. And then she's also not trying to flow with me. And I said, if you are really a daughter of the house, if you are really a daughter of the house, you would defer to an older woman. But this type of misbehavior, I don't get it. They were filled with, I, I, I'm sure that she wasn't happy that she had written that. <laughs> Amen. And they were filled with envy. And then they started to contradict 
whatever it was that Paul was talking about. Amen. I'm trying to pick and choose so that we can go to the finishing line. Amen. Colossians 1 verse 9. Colossians 1 verse 9. For this all cause, we also, since the day we heard of it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Amen. You can be filled with knowledge and spiritual understanding instead of being filled with envy. Amen. Now, one thing that amazes me about this verse is that Paul was commending the people. You know, he says that um, in verse 7, as he also learned of Epaphras, our dear fellow servant, who is for you a faithful minister of Christ, who also declared unto us your love in the spirit. So these people were doing something right. These people were going deeper in the things of God. And their love in the spirit was commended. But it is amazing that when they were doing so well in the things of God, Paul found that that was rather a good reason to pray for them. Amen? But what we do in the body of Christ is when we feel people are doing well, quote and unquote, in the ministry or in the things of God, we don't pray for them. We commend them, but we don't pray for them. But Paul said that since I heard of your love in the spirit for this cause, for this reason, amen. So when you rather see people doing well in the ministry, that's the time to pray for them. When you see that your church is working, that's the time to pray. <laughs> but we have learned to pray only in the time of trouble. But many times it's, oh, when I heard of your faith here, and even in Philippians, and I heard of how your love for the saints, I've not ceased to bow the knee. When I hear of good things, it makes me pray more for you. Amen? And he says, for this cause, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you and to desire that you might be filled with shoes, that you might be filled with expensive jewelry, that you might be filled with a house, that you may be filled with clothes, that you might be filled with a golden ring, that you might be filled with a platinum ring. That you might be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Many of us don't pray spiritual prayer topics. Our prayer topics are always about carnal things. Our prayer topics are always about things that relate only to this earth. But it is the spiritual realm that dominates the earthly realm and not the other way around. 
And many of us women are misguided and we feel that, oh, if only my husband would love, you, love me more, the world would be a better place. Oh, if only my husband would give me some more money, the world would be a better place. Oh, one of the things we crave most as women is understanding. If only my husband would understand me and understand my feelings. The feelings are you yourself, sometimes you don't understand. <laughs> if only you would understand how I feel. If I could just find a soulmate. Somebody, you know, Lady Reverend, somebody to connect with. Many times, whenever there's a prayer meeting and we are praying for spiritual topics, you are not happy. You say, Lord, I, I would like us to pray about my problem. Lord, this thing is biting me. I would like to pray about it. But the spiritual prayer topics have an effect even on the physical. So you have to now learn to go to the Bible Look for the Pauline epistles, the letters Paul wrote. Look for the prayer topics he prayed because it will have an untold effect on your life when you begin to pray such prayers that you might be filled with all wisdom and spiritual understanding. Most of us may be in impossible situations. Lady Reverend, how am I going to get out of it? How many? Pray for wisdom. The Bible says wisdom is the principal thing. And with all thy getting, get wisdom. And we need wisdom from God because God has the larger picture. God knows the future. God knows what next. And God knows what is going to happen. So when you pray for wisdom, that divine wisdom will guide you. Amen. 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 That you may be filled with all wisdom. Instead of being filled with anxiety. Instead of being filled with fears. Paul said in 2 Corinthians 7, we were filled with fears. I don't think time will let me talk about that. But it's fear is also a force you can be filled with. But you can come to the place where you pray that you will be filled with wisdom. Because many of us are not wise. Whether you like it or not. I don't want to say we are fools, but we are not wise. <laughs> Sometimes that's the difference between my husband and I. He will say, we are fools. I will say, we are not wise. <laughs> Amen. That you will be filled with the knowledge of his will. Do you know why you, know you need the knowledge of his will? Because God's will is not something we know. Jesus knew generally that, okay, God has sent him to the earth. He has to die and all that. But he needed the knowledge of his will to know how. When he got to the cross, he said that if it be possible, let this cup pass. If it's possible. And if crucifixion is a cup, then your marital problems are nasal drops. <laughs> the drops from nasal. Because if crucifixion on the cross is a cup, now how come you feel that your problem is a bathtub? It's actually a drop from those nasal drop things. <laughs> Amen. 
the knowledge of his will. There are many things we don't know, but God holds the future and he knows many things. You know, sometimes maybe when you were younger, if you knew this verse, you would pray for the knowledge of his will. Knowledge of his will. God, I just want to know your will. I just want to know your will. And God will give you the knowledge of his will in many, many, many ways. How come you don't have any spiritual prayer topic? When you pray, your main prayer is Cyril. Lord, touch Cyril. Lord, change him. Lord, turn him around. Lord, lift him up. Lord, bring him down. Lord, pull him aside. Lord, do a new work. What about the knowledge of his will? He knows what's going to happen next. Oh, Cyril. Your life is bigger than Cyril, ladies. One young lady in first love, her heart was broken just recently. And she came to my office and said, Mommy, I can't live without him. I immediately got up from my desk. I took my box of tissue and I said, wipe your eyes. What did you say? I said, I can't live without him. I said, okay. How old are you? Mommy, I'm 24. But it's been four years of relationship, mommy. We've done knocking. I said, I understand. We've done. I can't live without him. I said, so you got to know him when you came to nursing school. Yes. How old were you? 20. I said, so from 1 to 19, did you live without him? <laughs> from 1 to the age of 19, how did you live? That's now that you are 24, you cannot live without him. I said, yes, it's painful. You are allowed to grieve. You're allowed to come through and try not to be bitter and all that. But don't have the mindset that you can't live without him. If he is oxygen, then you can't live without him. But is his name O2? Amen, ladies! Being filled with the knowledge the knowledge of his will. You see, one sister, she had this husband. My, my, my roommate always says that I should write a book of just true stories because whenever I tell her the stories in my life, she, it's like a Nigerian movie. Oh. <laughs> but it's true. And, um, oh, I've forgotten what I was coming to tell you. <laughs> Amen. Yeah, one sister. <laughs> In one of our churches. <laughs> she was always praying about her husband. Because it was difficult. And I kept telling her, you know, when we pray about something so much, in the end, the thing has us. And, and, and it takes a hold of us and it destroys us. So, 
Let's come to the place where we learn to leave things with God. So if even you are praying for anything, pray for the grace to be able to leave it. Because we are not able, you see, we come to the altar, we say, Lord, take it all. Then we go, and then we come back, <laughs> Then we come back again, Lord, take it all. We are not able to leave things on the altar. So I was studying, just leave it and live your life. And, but it was very distressing. And I told her, look, you'll be surprised that you'll get there. If you just ask God for strength, whatever, you'll be surprised that you'll get there where you can leave it and live a full life. You know, but anyway, with time, she just felt that she had had enough. So sometimes, I mean, things break beyond your ability to do anything about it. But in this case, she decided to leave. As soon as she left, the next year, the husband became born again. Yes. And then he came to join that same church. It's not a myth, though. That same church where she was at. And then before she knew, they were calling people, shepherd school. Huh? Her husband was becoming a shepherd. Then, as she was in the church, one of her branches, she had marriage bans. Oh, between so-so and so-and-so. And then, somebody came to her at the wedding. The wife was saying, I mean, I just thank God for giving me such a God-fearing man. A man who really works with God. She almost died. Died. Sometimes we need the knowledge of his will. Because he knows that as you are suffering in 2004, in 2005, there will be a change. And the person will give his life to Christ. Or even 15 years later. Amen. But we don't know the knowledge of his will. And we don't pray for the knowledge of his will. Amen. The knowledge of his will is also about what you are here on this planet for. And what is his will for your life. God doesn't come like some ethereal being. Whilst you are asleep, then he comes and then your curtains are moving. Ooh. And then he calls you. Oh, Tabitha. Tabitha. I've come to reveal my will. That's not how God works. But as you walk day in and day out, he reveals his will. You begin to understand. No, Paul prayed in one of the epistles that you will understand what the will of God is. So you begin to have a certain understanding of the knowledge of his will. Amen. Amen. Ladies, it's time to be filled with the knowledge of his will. In all wisdom. And you can also be filled with spiritual understanding. It's different from human understanding. The Bible says in Proverbs chapter 3, that trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. The reason why the Bible says don't do this is that we have a propensity for doing that. We have an inclination for leaning on and on. And God also created us as logical beings. So it's not easy not to lean on your understanding. So when you are seeing something, you deduce and you logical understanding. But the Bible says don't lean on it. Don't depend on it. 
Don't let your understanding be what guides you. But there's something called spiritual understanding. Sometimes when people come with their problems pastorally, by the grace of God, I have a certain understanding. And when they describe some of the things, I say that, look, I can see that the person is doing this because he doesn't know any other way. You understand? That's, that's how he thinks he's solving his problem. He doesn't know any other way. And then some of them, they come, and I say, you see, this is your problem. I can see that it's chronic for now. Say, hey, I'm chronic, then I can't live with that. That's all you can. Do you know of any chronic diseases? And they go, how is it related? And I said, give me some examples. So then they say, diabetes, hypertension, asthma. Really? So how do you think people control it? Like asthma. I said, they buy an inhaler. I said, do they decide that because they don't want the disease, they won't live anymore? He says, no. And I said, so can they lead a normal productive life? He said, yes. I said, how? Because it's managed. So I said, so this is your chronic marital area. You need a management situation. Spiritual understanding. There are times when I've walked through certain valleys I don't understand. There are times when things have been said that, you know, sometimes when something is said, you feel they are talking about somebody else. I mean, because you feel that you are the one who knows yourself best. So the one that says, ah, it looks like they are talking about the neighbor or someone. Is it me? They are talking about. And once I was going through such a time, I said, Lord, I don't understand it. And it's not right. And it's not fair. And it's not true. And it's not justified. And it's not. The Holy Spirit gently came and said, I have a word for you. I said, Really? Yes. Two verses, actually. The first one said, he was numbered with transgressors. He said, do you know that when they were numbering sinners, if they were 46, they counted. And when it was number 47, they said, Jesus, number 47. He was numbered with transgressors. Number two, he made his grave with the wicked. There was a field for burying wicked people. There was a place for keeping the grave of wicked people. And this man who was guileless and had never committed any iniquity, when you came to that field for bad people, there was a grave there with his name on it. And yet he endured it. And the Bible says, said to me, the Lord said, if he went through that, he was numbered. He's number 47. And if you are number 48, what's your problem? <laughs> I would like to know your problem. Spiritual understanding. Understanding of what is happening in your life. Sometimes some things are happening so that you would change the season. God wants to change the season. And therefore he changes what you are used to. But you don't understand it, so you freak out. And before we know, you can even end up at the mental hospital. Yeah. But if you have spiritual understanding, it's okay. 
this seems to be a different season. I don't really understand. But spiritual understanding comes. And that you don't really fight the season, but you prepare for the next season. Amen. I was talking to somebody I know very well, very spiritual. And spiritual and religious people are sometimes very difficult to counsel. They don't hear you when you talk. Hey. She called me once. She was talking to me and I was saying that, look, you haven't looked for your father for about 10 years. You don't call him on Father's Day. You don't mind him. Your father hasn't done anything to you. He looked after you. He was a good father. So call him. Eh, you, you are telling me to call my father. And then when it's Christmas, you get up and you send him a hamper and a card. I'm even sorry for your own life. Ah, I said, because your father has been good to me before. So if at Christmas I remember him, I don't see anything wrong with him. Mm. If you were discerning. And then she started to quote, I said that. Jesus said to Peter, flesh and blood has not revealed it to you. So let me tell you, it's not flesh and blood that's going to reveal it to you. This man, this, this, this. I said, hey, hey, hey. Whatever must be revealed must be in accordance with scripture. So what do you make of Ephesians 6, 1 and 2? Honor your father and your mother. And I said, could it be that that's not, it is not well with you? It is not well with you. I said, hey, this afternoon, that's not why I called you. So if this is what you are coming to talk about, then I'm sorry. I have to leave. Very audacious Christian. When she stands here to fast and pray, you and I, we cannot, we cannot measure up. I said, I'll send you a book. My father, my father. The day the book arrived is the, book I, the day I cut it up. That's what she said. The day the book arrived is the day I cut it up. So I said, ah. But every year, the person will send me a request, please help me, I'm broke. Please help me, it's not easy. Please help me. So this year, she contacted me and I said, no. No, I really have to speak. So I said, before then I went for a conference and then I asked in a church where she used to be, I asked the pastor, where is this my friend? Nice, spiritual sister. She said, no, you're, I don't know. I heard of her in December, and the last time I heard of her, she was homeless. Oh! So then, she contacted me by email a few weeks ago, and then I also said, look, do this, come here, earn a living, do this, I'll help you, I'll do what I can, but what are that? Hey! Then she started, in the book of Exodus, Moses walked in the wilderness for 40 years. Joseph was in prison for the day. Then I also said, well, when God sent ravens to feed Elijah, at a point the brook dried up, and Elijah saw it, that it was a change of season, and it was time to move to the next season. So it's time for you to move to the next season. Then she replied, I'm sure you will not understand, but I'm coming out. I'm coming out of this wilderness in the name of Jesus. I'm coming out. So sometimes your super spirituality is different from spiritual understanding. You have a religious spirit. And I suspect that she has received a prophetic word that she should keep away from her father. So she's doing all these foolish things in the name of prophecy. And that's why she's telling me, if I descend, I said, what about God's word? In fact, she made me get the revelation that I said to her, God didn't say, honor your father who is good. Honor your father who is a believer. Honor your father who is not an alcoholic. Honor your father who looked after you. 
God did not make any sacrifice. God said, honor your father and your mother that it may be well with you. Even that spiritual understanding of scripture comes from God. Then after this plenty exchanges wilderness, and she writes to me just before I leave, please, my light has been cut. My water has been cut. My property that I can't pay rent. Please help me. You have a good job. You say you are leaving. I said, why are you leaving the job? God has called me. God has called me. Where are you going? I'm going to Bible school. I said, ah. Now I don't know what I'm dealing with. You are going to Bible school. I said, yes. So that's why I'm calling you. I'm calling you to help provide for my fees. And then when I move, I want you to help provide for my accommodation. I said, ah. Is the person okay? So I said, why are you doing this at this moment? Oh. Because, you know, like Paul, I count all things but done. I said, hey, my sister, you have to live, oh. You count all things but done. Yes, God has called me. I have to go to Bible school. I said, you want to go to Bible school? I will apply to Bishop Free Scholarship and Akazo Bible School. Come. Come. So, no, I can't come. But I'm calling you so that the two of you, if you can contribute to my Bible school fees, you see, and then monthly. I know that you also have children, but monthly, if you bring a bit, of, I said, this is not abundant life. <laughs> this is not what God meant, but it is after that that the homelessness and this cut of water, and, and still the person is not spiritually understanding where she's at and what is happening. We lack spiritual understanding. That is why Sometimes, sometimes we are led away by prophetic things. You destroy your family. You destroy all your ties. And they tell you, it's your mother who is doing you. Even if your mother is doing you, the Bible says our weapons are not carnal, but they are mighty through God to the pulling down of strongholds. Jesus did not go on demon inspection. He was just standing in the temple and he preached the word. And the demons reacted and said, let us alone. Why have you come to torment us before our time? Jesus did not go looking for legion. He was crossing over the other side with his disciples. And then he confronted legion. And the demons just had a reaction. And then they left. But he wasn't inspecting. Are there some demons in Tyre? Let me look for them. Are there some demons in my mother-in-law? Let me look for it. Are there some demons? Spiritual understanding. And many women lack that. That's why you go from place to place. And our problems don't get better. They get compounded. Our simple work with God gets twisted and thwarted and contorted. But it's time to pray for spiritual understanding. It's time to be filled with spiritual understanding. Amen. Amen. Understanding of what is happening in your life. Understanding of what God is calling you to. Understanding of how to deal with the things that confront you. But you don't understand. Even the scriptures, you don't understand. 
That's why you can stand in the church and say, they don't know who I am. My temper is no good at all. And then when you go and tell that silly friend of yours who also doesn't give you good advice, you say, yes. Ah, today when I went for rehearsal, then this sister made this speech, and you know me, my thing came. What is your thing? What is your thing that came? The Bible says, do not be overcome with evil, but overcome evil with good. But you lack spiritual understanding. Being filled with all knowledge and spiritual understanding. Stand to your feet. Yesterday, the hotel said you overstayed your welcome. Amen. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up. Please let it be a genuine prayer. Come and quench this thirsting of my soul. Oh, bread of heaven, please fill me till I want no more. Fill my cup, fill it up and make me whole. Like the woman at the well. Fill my cup, Lord. I lift it up. I lift it up, Lord. Yes. 
came to fill you tell him Lord I don't want to be filled with envy I don't want to be filled with indignation I don't want to be filled with mischief and subtlety I want to be filled with the Holy Ghost I want to be filled with all knowledge and wisdom and spiritual understanding to pray begin to pray you can pray to be filled with the right things Paul prayed that they would be filled with the right things that the church in Colossae the people in the church will be filled with the right things pray that the wrong things will leave your life pray that there will be an infilling of the Holy Ghost again pray that you will be filled with all knowledge and spiritual understanding pray that you will be filled with the knowledge of his will 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 in all wisdom and spiritual understanding all fill us fill us with all knowledge the knowledge of your will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding feel 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 take away the things that we have been chasing take away the things that don't satisfy feel 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 my cup Every hand lifted up. Jesus, behold the hands of your people. Tonight, we change our face. We refuse to face after the things of this world. All of you, Jesus. All of you, Holy Spirit. Wisdom, more of spiritual wisdom, more of you, 
bowed and every eye closed, I can't leave this meeting without giving you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus Christ. Most of us have made that decision and we have not regretted it. You want to say, Lady Reverend, pray for me. I've been playing games with God and with church. But from tonight, I want a new chapter and a new beginning. Lady Reverend, I'm not sure whether I'll go to heaven or hell when I die. But tonight, I want to be sure. And I want to have a firm commitment to God and to the things of God. You are like that here this evening. It's not about big manism and big womanism. You want to say, Lady Reverend, I need Jesus. I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to start all over again. You are like that here this evening. Just lift up your hands high above your shoulder with all boldness. And I'll pray with you. God bless you. I see your hand. God bless you. I see your hand. I believe there are many more. Lady Reverend, pray for me. I need a fresh start. I need to give my life to Christ. God bless you. God bless you. I see your hands. And if you lifted up your hands, do one more thing. Take a step and come to me so that I can lead you in a meaningful prayer. Come. You lifted up your hands. Come. Come to Jesus. I surrender. Oh, come. Encourage them as they come. from your heart. It's not about what people think. It's about what God thinks. Let this be a prayer that is your own personal prayer to God. Please say after me, dear Jesus. The music should be softer, please. Dear Jesus, this evening I come to you just as I am. Jesus take my life and make me your child forgive me for all my sins forgive me for the games I've played with you tonight I make a quality decision to surrender my life to you come in Lord Jesus and be the Lord of my life Thank you for dying on the cross so that I may be saved. And thank you for eternal life because you rose from the dead. From tonight, a new chapter begins in my life. From tonight, you will be the Lord of everything in my life. Satan, 
listen to me carefully. I break every link with you. I receive supernatural power to walk in the things of God. Thank you, Jesus. I depend on you. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, touch every single vessel. Let every work of wickedness come to an end. Let the power of God be present. And let a new life begin. In Jesus' name, amen. It was great having you today. To find out more about the resources available by Adelaide Heward Mills, please visit at the Kodesh, North Kaneshi, or meet her on Facebook at Adelaide Heward Mills. For prayer and counseling, please call 0243-187-900. You can also drop us an email at honeyonmylips at gmail.com. We would love to hear from you. Until next time, God richly bless you.